Goggler presents Lovecast Pantry, episode 2. Ian Bahir and Uma with you. This is our weekly dissection of HBO's Lovecraft Country. Uh, you can check out our first episode where we talk about episode 1, Sundown, uh, by subscribing to the Goggler Presents podcast feed. Do it now. Stop listening and just go and subscribe now if you haven't already. Uh, but today we're going to be talking about episode 2. This one's called Whitey's on the Moon and picks up almost immediately after the end of the first episode. Uh, like we said, the first episode ends with our three heroes showing up at this massive manor where the whitest person in the world answers the door welcoming them home uh the episode opens with a kind of fun song and dance sequence where george and letty seem to be trapped in a weird happy joyous delirium yes delirium is a great word it's just another like what the fuck from last week you're like everything's happy and joy joy and start moving on up and it's like what the hell's going on except atticus atticus seems to be well aware that he just had to fight evil vampiric monsters in the jungle meanwhile the other two have no idea what's going on yeah i, I love the opening moment when george shows up um outside in the hallway and he goes do you have your own library yeah. i could sit here reading all day and atticus is just like maybe that's what they want us to do <laughs> yeah and letty's got like a logo all her all the clothes she could ever want she steps out really really well dressed uh and then and then of course they meet um i guess the whitest man in the world william and he kind of welcomes them to this manor house, uh, which was which was made by or built by the gentleman by the name of Titus Braithwaite. Um, and he, I guess, started a sort of cult, if you will. They're not the clan because the clan are too poor. Yes, that's a yes. great line. It's just like, oh, we don't No, Not really. No, no. We're the real rich white supremacists. Yeah. It's the what's and the group is the it's the order of the ancient dawn, right? Yes, Order of the Ancient Dawn. Or is it the Sons of the Order of the Ancient Dawn? There's some, because there's, there's some masculine stuff in there later that comes to play later, right? It's the Sons of Adam ah. and then the Order mm. of the Ancient Dawn. Gotcha. Yeah, that's what's going on in the series. So is that a, is that a people's front of the Judea, Judean people's front job? Or are we just like, they just got different names for the same thing? I think they've got different names for the same thing, yeah. right? Yeah, so we meet all these we meet all these random weird characters. And it was something we were talking about in the last episode as well, where... This episode seems to set up a completely different show and a completely different reality. Yeah. And at first I thought, oh, okay, episode one introduced us to all of the characters and it gave us great backstory and took us into their minds. And now we're on this episodic adventure, if you will. Yeah. Uh, we've met the big bad guys. The big bad guys are actual magic using wizards, <laughs> not just clan wizards, right? Yeah. And... And then it turns out not to be the case at all because they kind of wrap it up and move along. I mean, what Misha Green does with the series is truly surprising and shocking and just, it's, it feels very different from the structure of your regular 10 episode show. I'm glad we're not writing recaps for this because even just trying to, like, you know, boil down an ep two episodes of Doom Patrol to like, you know, a couple of hundred words is almost impossible with the shit going on, on that show. This one episode is like a novel. Yeah. On its own. Yeah. I had to double check. I had to scan forward like, oh yeah, this is the episode where they just get rid of it. They just, they just throw out their entire premise that they have that would easily cover like yes. half the show. This is, this is Netflix. This is episode nine. Yes. Or season two at least. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm not sure if I'm like, 
I think we were talking about it in the previous episode about how we would have liked to have seen the road trip more. And I'm kind of caught in between because I like that road trip format. But at the same time, I can understand how that can be quite tiring after a while. As in, it just... It was such a great setup, right? Yeah, but it just... Like, I understand because... I mean, fuck, what you going to do after episode six? You know, another monster, another racist town. You know, it's like... Then you just end up being the walking dead. Yeah, whereas in this, I'm out, in this episode, I'm thinking like, oh, I wouldn't mind watching another eight episodes stuck in weird magic Eureka where you can't get out of. Yeah. Like it, you yeah. know, it feels like that. It's this yeah. hidden world or, you know, it's, it's like slightly more overt Twin Peaks, you know? And no, you're not no, getting that. No, you only get you only get 50 <laughs> minutes of that before you have to move yeah. on. Yeah, this is this is this is going to be it's it looks like this is going to be a 10 course meal. But like you only get each course for 30 seconds. You got to eat it. You got to cram as much of it in your craw as you can before it's gone. Because that's yeah. all you get. Because that's all you the get. Next one, you don't know what you're going to get next. Yes. And, 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 and the way the episode unfurls as well. I mean, they're stuck in the house. Um there's a great fantastic moment when they are kind of shepherded down to breakfast. Yes. And Atticus is trying to figure out why Letty and George are so cool and can't remember what's going on. Because he's freaking out. Yeah, he's freaking out. He's like, why don't you remember the fucking yeah. monsters, right? Um, and Letty's like ringing the bell. For she, wants she, ring- she wants salt. She wants salt. <laughs> because the white <laughs> people don't salt their food. They don't know how to That's season right. their food. Yeah. Yeah. But also she rings the bell. She never asks. For salt, but nev- salt is provided. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. Also, Correct. did you notice what's on the platters in front of them? No. No. There's tentacles everywhere. Like, there's really? proper food, but also the main platters have tentacles, like the Oh, I didn't notice do. that. Yeah, there's, like, oh. squid. And I'm like, squid for breakfast? I mean, we've all been there, but it's an odd... It, it, it's like, you know, it's Lovecraft Country. It's squid for breakfast, I guess. Yeah. I was I was chanting at the screen as well where Atticus explained to him what happened and he said, I shot the sheriff and I just couldn't help myself and just screamed. Same. Yes. But I didn't shoot his de- the deputy. <laughs> he got eaten instead. <laughs> yeah. But even that interaction and she's like, you shot the sheriff? I had to. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's a brilliant interaction. But yeah, the way the plot unfurls because um, they're ushered down for breakfast. They know something's amiss. And they head into the village to kind of find out what's going on. Uh, but they're told they need to be back in time for dinner, right? Because there's some big dinner party happening. And even when they get to when they get to the town and they encounter this woman with dogs, the the intellectual approach to wa- to the way the ca- these characters react to everything around them is absolutely fantastic. Mm. George looks up at this stone tower and goes, that must be the prison, right? And yeah. she's like, why do you say that? And he goes, well, this is the only stone building here. Yeah. And there is an immediate understanding of their surroundings. And it's so true to the character of someone who has dedicated his life to creating these maps. Yeah. And everything just seems to fall into place. And also reading reading an education. I mean, it does look like they're in an... A- from my, you know, I've seen, I've seen Harrison Ford in Witness. It does look like an Amish town. There's an awful lot of ing- beards. It's like no one says hello English, but you know it, it feels like that. Um, with then this psycho with her dogs in the middle who just does not fit with everything around there at all. But also, it, it goes back to what we were talking about in episode one of this podcast about episode one of the show. In that head on a swivel, always look for an escape route. Right? You always, yeah. you're, you're not. I wouldn't say you're doubting everything you see, but you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah. There's a lot of that 
in everything we've seen so far. <laughs> almost, almost every sequence involves us waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah. I mean, so they're here and they're looking for Montrose, right? Which is um, Atticus's dad. And in the first episode, we were kind of told that uh, Montrose's favorite book is The Count of Monte Cristo, uh, because of course it is. And that's why it was fantastic when the first thing they come across, they ask if it's the jail, because that whole story is about a guy who was wrongly imprisoned and then kind of has to dig his way out of prison, mm, yeah. right? Uh, which is something that comes into play later in this episode as well. So even the Count of Monte Cristo references, the Dumas references, are there from the outset. It's never spelled out. No. It's just there. So smart. So um, smart. As they're walking home, it's a nice touch as well where you just see the sun. Again, they just making life difficult for themselves. Or maybe it did look very blue by here. I'm not sure if you like that, that maybe they just shot blue for no, the it's okay. time. In the jungle. Later. Yeah. I'm okay with it. It's okay. HBO. Yeah, it's HBO. Um, just the the sun going down looks great as they're arguing in the woods and then just this ripple in the ground attacks yeah. them and it's it's Shoggoth time, baby. Yeah, because I remember watching it going like, guys, the sun's going down. What are you guys moving along? Yeah. <laughs> just like, argue later, move it the fuck along, people. <laughs> Jesus Christ, come on. And this is where it gets interesting because it's like like straight away the monsters go, Dell turns up with her dogs again with her whistle, and you're like, I was I what 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 is it? Oh no no. Uh it's uh Christina that shows up on the horse oh, with her whistle. Whistle. But Dell is there as well, right? With the dogs? Yes, yeah. Dell's there and she asks her to uh, usher them, them away. Usher them away, yeah. So yeah. I'm like, is it the whistle? What is it that's making them lose their memory? And they answer that question almost three minutes later, which is great. But uh, it's just the fact that they, they instantly forget about it. And you're like, okay, something's really weird is going on there. Mm. What I like about that and the way that played out was it didn't feel like they stretched it out at all. Yeah. Immediately, Letty goes, it happened again, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. And she's aware that she's forgotten something. Because George is like, why are we covered in dirt? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and, and as, if the, as if they don't know things aren't, you know, things are weird enough. The moment Tony Goldwyn turns up, you're like, ah. Don't trust anything this fucker has to say. If you don't know who <laughs> Bad Tony guy. Was, yeah. He was Carl Brunner in Ghost and he was Michael Drucker in The Sixth Day. Correct. Um, he is just, he, you know, if they say we need to cast someone who's incredibly untrustworthy, it's like, I've already got Tony on the phone. <laughs> guy Pierce has a picture in his pocket of him in a Polaroid that says, don't trust his lies. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think is that I'm, I'm really torn between the idea of how quickly they move off of ideas because yeah. they're such good ideas. You just go like, yeah. milk it a little more. Give me an entire episode of this at least as opposed to just saying it 15 minutes later, bringing it up again and then just moving on. I mean, I love the, the bravado, the confidence the writers have in just going, this is not the plot we want to tell. It's an idea we have Let's just put it here and then we can just move on and not do the, like you said, Ian, the Netflix thing of just milking that one little moment for just too long than it needs to be. But when you watch this episode and the way it plays out, everything seems like it plays out for the perfect length. Um, when they go back to their rooms and they are subjected to this weird magical reality mm. for the pleasure of white guys in suits, right? Um it, it accomplishes so much. We get so much backstory about George yep. yeah. uh, and where his mind's at. We learn about Letty. We find out about Atticus's experiences during the war. And we for, 
we forgot to mention the fact that for the first episode, I, I had it down there. George has a phone number memorized from Korea. Yeah. And she, I think in that first episode, what does she say on the phone? You shouldn't have gone home or something? Yes. You shouldn't have gone home. Yeah. Yeah. Again, there's so much detail. Even doing a podcast dedicated to single episodes, there's still shit we can't fit in. But it's like you get more of that here. And it's a standard magic thing of like confronting your inner desire, right? Yeah. Inner desire, greatest fears, inner demons. Yeah. Yeah. The usual. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't there a thing in Harry Potter as well? Uh, Harry Potter rips off everything, but here it doesn't feel like a rip off. Yeah. Yeah. No. And 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 it was um you know it was what you uh what were we talking about Ian I think we were talking about Umbrella Academy and the introduction to Volume Two when Neil Gaiman cites uh Roger Zelazny yeah about it's not about the story but how you tell it yes mm. and even though n- nothing here feels derivative even though it borrows from concepts that we've seen before. Yeah. It's the execution that is done really, really well. It's the writing, it's the acting. And maybe, you know, maybe it'd be a bit more favorable towards Harry Potter if, um, you know, J.K. Rowling just went back in her book and inserted a reference to everything she stole from and saying like, oh, well, the Muggles wrote a book about this. It was called this, as opposed to just like me recognizing things from other things yeah. in it constantly. Um, and this, they do, they hang, a, they, hang a, they hang a very ornate, beautiful lampshade on all of this. So that's why it's perfectly fine. Yeah. And throughout this episode, the choice of music that they use, when they're walking into the town for the first time, they play a version of um, Bad Moon Rising. Yes. Uh, which is absolutely fantastic. Uh, we spoke about this when we reviewed the show and we talked about how not all the songs were era specific mm. i think yeah this is this is where it, first, it doesn't really happen in the first one so much right it's more in this one yeah as the tone gets weirder the music gets more out there correct mm. so they play bad moon rising and then there's a fantastic version of blackbird by nina simone mm-hmm. um after the dinner party when they encounter montrose and then it's like killing strangers marilyn manson when they're in their car trying to escape and all those three songs should give you whiplash, and yet they work so incredibly well yeah. in telling the story. And I, we've given out about it before, like because other era shows that don't have ear appropriate music, it really feels bad. It's grating, but, right? Yeah. 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 Whereas here, it totally fits, and it also helps that like they have the kicking assist songs. <laughs> yes. It's something uh, I noticed again with crap. I can't remember. I was watching. I re- just double checked something on Doom Patrol today, and it's like, oh, they got Lou Reed's. It's a perfect day. They didn't get a knockoff. They didn't get a cover. Right. They just went and got the actual song because that's what they wanted for that moment. It's the power of DC money or Warner Brothers money. It's the power of HBO money because you know getting Marilyn Manson in your TV show. It just it works so well that it doesn't it doesn't feel like whiplash. Yeah, we should say we, we we should say that these are not just plot points. These are like the things people are talking about. So there is a magical group that is kind of they are magic. They they do spells. They call them spells. They're not what glamours or any other shit. They are literally doing mm. spells. There's a, there's a spell on Letty and George that stops them from remembering the monsters. Only the monsters apparently. Other weird shit they'll remember, but they just don't remember seeing the monsters. And they want to open a portal to Eden to extract immortal life basically right yeah 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 i mean that's it really that's that in a nutshell tony goldwyn's character essentially has been hunting for paradise oh actually all the braithwaite's he's looking yeah he's looking for eternal life just like he did in the sixth day <laughs> <laughs> there's a theme to all the acting jobs he picks oh god in, in ghost was he also trying to live forever i can't remember now i do know he got a horrible death with those ghost shadow monsters but uh <laughs> 
He deserved it. <laughs> the 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 only way to get this is by using Atticus, which is why they've kind of kidnapped him. Yeah. Uh, answer this for me: Was it implied that the magic wasn't used on Atticus, but because of his special status, he was immune to it? Because that's what I, I thought think it, it was, was the immunity thing. Wait, so is it? This is the, the when they do the ceremony, and it all goes horribly, horribly wrong for the dawn or. Oh, no, no, but even before, the, the reason why stuff. Atticus didn't forget the men's monsters. Oh, I think it's because it's like, it's a family, it's a family. I think she said, like, some people can only, you know, it takes forever to do one spell, but some are familial bonds. So I think it's a family right. thing. Mm. And his, yeah. his mother is his link, right? Yep. Yes, correct. So the other family don't have it, and she's not a blood relation anyway, so she wouldn't, it doesn't apply to them. So it's a blood thing. And even that is, you know, the fact that he's related to these white supremacists as well, you know, tying back into slave owners and affairs they may have had with their slaves none of this is spelt out but it is just there <coughs> jefferson <laughs> sorry yes. out of cough we do get a setup for like he wants to perform this thing they have a meeting of the white folk atticus has read the manual because he found it right yeah <laughs> Not atticus sorry george has read the manual george has like, kind of worked out what's going on according to your bylaws we can order you all to fuck right off so please do we post haste and there's a great line i can't remember where it came in that conversation but there's a great line about um you know, biblical liter- literalism is for the simple, but also we're opening a doorway to Eden. <laughs> yeah. So they have this dinner party and uh, Atticus, you know, kind of leans into his role and be like, well, being the last remaining heir to the Braithwaite family, I order all of you to fuck off. Get out of my room, right? And um, after that, they go looking for Montrose and they go to this tower, which is supposedly the prison. And I love the way all of that plays out because I love how Montrose has this... You know, Nina Simone is playing. He is digging himself out of the ground. Um, and you see Michael K. Williams. You see his hands in handcuffs first mm. come up, right? Yeah. And everyone's just standing around going, hey there, Montrose, how's it going? Omar coming. And that reaction was absolutely fantastic. And he's like, what the fuck are you guys doing here? That sequence confused the heck out of me because I was like, it must have taken him ages to dig out. And so I thought that when he came through the ground, it was a flashback. Mm. Right. And not that it had just taken him that long that he just happened to it was convenient plotting to say the least but it also it just it caught me off guard for a bit i was like that's handy i mean my first question yeah. was how did they know where he was going to pop out <laughs> but yeah there's, there's a that that was a little convenient i think um can can you guys clarify something for me why was atticus needed to do the thingy thingy atticus is the the, the direct descendant of uh, what's Titus Braithwaite? Titus right? Braithwaite. Okay. Yeah. And Titus did a uh, did a spell that concentrated power in his bloodline, and okay, when the fire happened in the eighteen hundreds, I guess not. You know, the, the bloodline kind of split a little bit with the current Braithwaites and so on. So Atticus is, I guess, more of a direct descendant, and the rest are all inbred Hicks. Maybe. Oh, I see. Okay. Or that he's already he's already got so much power in him. What's his, what's his name? What's Tony Goldman's name? <laughs> Uh, Samuel Braithwaite. Samuel. So I guess Samuel has like maybe an equal level of power, but that's not enough to get into the to get past the bouncer in Eden. Okay. So he wants to use the his power plus the reservoir in Atticus to open the door. Right. Okay. Which also ties into the whole idea of purity mm. and a black person and the kind of nasty rhetoric that went on during the time as well. It's a cunning reappropriation of that notion. It's also yet another white person. Profiting off the backs of what black people. Correct. Mm. There's that too. But so why does it go wrong? Is it because he's just because? Why does the ceremony go wrong and everything starts to get fucked up? 
Is it because of he's challenging entropy? Or is it because of the ring that Christina puts on his hand? Oh. Does the corruption, oh. there's like, when he's standing there, it's all like, you know, he's doing his Doctor Who regeneration shit with the lighting. Yeah. yeah. But then I, doesn't it spread from his hand, the black kind of thing? With the oh, ring I on it, she she slips the ring on his finger. Yes, she does. Happens, and she does. She's a little pissed off with the the group because she's not allowed in because it's men only, right? Yep. Yeah. And so her position is a uh, not not tenable, but like you know, it's not secure. She's sidelined. Yeah. So I totally got that. I I totally figured out. I thought it was not figured out. I assumed it was the ring and that she was behind it. Oh, oh, I thought it was because he kind of had a change of heart. It, 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 that 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 will come down to how the that will come down to how they're handling the magic because it's whether like you know do you have to be in was he just a, like was he just like a gas tank or was he actually you know more involved we haven't gotten that answer yet mm. no we haven't so with 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 Christina I think part of it was yeah one part of it was that she was left out because you know only the male bloodline gets kind of involved in this sort of thing but throughout the show and throughout the episode I felt that she had more good in her than the rest of them. Seems because oh. she kept trying to help them in some way or other. I don't know if it was but is good. That, yeah. Yeah. Is that, is, that to, is that to her own ends? This is the thing. Yeah. Is yeah. that just to spite her father, right? Um, I, I swear to God, for, for a minute, in the beginning of the episode, when Tony Goldwyn, Samuel Braithwaite goes, I'm Adam. I genuinely thought he was Adam. For a second, I was like, <laughs> is this where the show is going? <laughs> And then I thought to myself, no, to cast a really blonde, blue-eyed Aryan guy as Adam would be a mistake in this show. So probably mm. not. It's a metaphor. I mean, so far, everything in the show has not been a metaphor. So I thought, is this guy Adam? What's going on? Um, but yeah, so the, the ring thing's an interesting observation because I completely missed that as well. I, 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 mm. I saw the black stuff happen, but I didn't realize it was from the ring. I genuinely thought he reached the point when he went he gave, he uh, when Atticus went I've got power yeah. too motherfuckers yeah. <laughs> and like I can own this situation you don't own me and I thought that was him taking charge of the situation and then kind of running for the escape route mm. maybe mm. double check because yeah. I, I could have sworn a kind of the, the, the corruption as it were spread from that hand so because yeah. that could be cool like... well that could be cool because that changes Christina's role in the whole thing as well exactly um, we are sorry I skipped ahead to the ceremony but we forgot that to get him to I mean him changing his mind might not make sense because they needed they need um, they need dickhead to heal um, George because they he just straight up sh like in one of the shocking moments that we completely forgot about they were trying to escape uh, with, uh, with Montrose and Samuel shoots yeah Le uh, Letty and George like it's like we're gonna shoot both of them and Letty dies Letty dies and then is brought back and then George is slowly bleeding out in the bed and that's what motivates Atticus to help and uh, we kind of skipped off that <laughs> but I said that's why I, that's why I think I don't think he would challenge it mm. in that way because he wouldn't know what the output he outcome know what would the be right outcome would be exactly right yeah and so the, the episode just ends with them driving away right yep well the episode ends with George dead in the car and them driving away. <laughs> but, you know, I, I mean, that was incredibly shocking because obviously at this point you think everyone can be brought back. So yeah. even when Letty and George get shot and you're watching this for the first time, you're thinking, ah, it's Courtney B. Vance. They're not going to kill your main character in the second episode. Yeah. <laughs> but this is... Little this do is, we know. This is this HBO. Is again, this, is, this is not HBO, but it's just like, this is you're setting out your stall. Anyone can fucking die. Like, this is yeah. what you're yeah. setting up. This is, this, is, this is Game of Thrones in a way. It's like, you know, you really like this guy. I did find when 
I think in the first episode, I forgot to mention it, but when he's like on the phone to his daughter and you're like, you might as well have a letter on the front at World War II, man. I was like, is, oh shit, is he marked for death? I don't want him to be marked for death. In, in many ways, Michael, Michael K. Williams' Montrose is a bit of a surrogate for George as well. And I'm glad that they aren't too different as characters in that his dad is, you know, he's hard-headed. He's, he, he's unlike George in the sense that he's hard-headed and he's secretive. But yeah. at the same time, he too is an intellectual. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, his main, and, and he's very different to George because, you know, George, we talked about this in the first episode, George has a yes sir, no sir mentality when dealing with these yep. problems because he wants to pick his fights. Yeah. And he's like, oh yeah, you know, pimply guy at the ice cream shop, not worth my battle, yeah. right? Yeah. I've got bigger fights. I got bigger battles to fight. Montrose is mad at the world. Yeah. Montrose, however, believes that he has been hard done by the world and society, right? Yeah. And I think that's going to be the most interesting thing going forward between uh, Atticus and Montrose and the development of their relationship. Yeah. I think that's going to be very I, cool. But I think yeah. I like that. I like the George role a little bit more because in some ways it's less what's the word I'm looking for he's fucking cool yeah that but also <laughs> it's 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 less expected right the 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 calm collected you know black man who's trying to get through this with his words and not necessarily just the drunk angry father figure you know and I like that that George dynamic because he was balancing out the other two guys, Letty and Atticus, who yeah. really wanted to just, you know, who were young and want to Yeah, Letty fucking Lewis, you know what I mean? So I think that idea of George sort of being the sort of calm, collected in episode one, he goes, you know, not, this is not our fight when they overhear, when he and Atticus overhear Letty and her brother fight in the house. Yeah. So, you know, he goes, this is not our fight. I like that idea. Sure, it may seem a little, uh, not not defeatist, but a little sort of standoffish to the problem. But I think, I think Montrose thing could be a little that angry thing could get annoying after a while. I think only because we've seen it so many times. That yeah. being said, though, Michael K. Williams. But it's I'm Michael K. Know. Williams, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's Omar. Uh, you you just said there, you know. You Letty, Letty Lewis ain't scared of nothing. It's like, you know, we forgot as well to talk. There's so much stuff again. Like, she deals with snake pants. Remember snake pants? Snake pants. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. We completely forgot about that. Yeah. In know, her dream sequence, she's yeah. about to have sex with Atticus. He unbuckles his pants and a sna- an actual trouser snake comes an out. An actual trouser snake. I was like... <laughs> pretty good metaphor i like it i like what you're doing here yeah. I, 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 and, and, and it's like just for just to just to smash you in the face with that you know metaphor hammer it's like look at this the stained glass behind is like adam and eve and a snake it's like yeah. okay love it and she just deals with it right doesn't she, she kind of freaks out a bit but then she kind of deals with it yeah but don't you love that as well like that's what i thought really showed some confidence in writing so all three of them have their sequences right but you don't actually see how it all plays out mm-hmm so when that happens to Letty, she leans over the bed and she grabs a knife yeah. and then it cuts. You see Atticus kind of strangle the lady that's attacking him, the Korean soldier that's attacking him. Yeah. And then you see George realize that what he's seeing is a vision. And yeah. then the camera pans back and it's like this glowy stuff and all these white people watching like this weird television yeah. and like through a portal. And you see visions of them kind of turn around. It's not a television. It's HBO. 
<laughs> That's some weird and, country HBO there. <laughs> and you see all of them turn around, but that there's no follow through with what happens. I mean, she doesn't cut off the snake. She doesn't fight him to the ground. I mean, we don't know, right? It, we don't know. But I like to think that she cut the snake off. I'd like to think yeah. she did. But I think it was a great resolution to that, to not have it play out the way we expect mm-hmm. and then just kind of move along, right? And then the next thing you know, they're out in the, they're out in the hallway again and they're just talking about it, right? And, and George is like, it doesn't matter what you saw. Yeah. Because Atticus is like, man, some things happened during the war. And he's like, just don't. <laughs> Not now. We've got enough to deal with, boy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. We got no time for psychotherapy. Um, but no, it, it's incredibly confident writing yes. in the way they don't explain anything, in the way they don't let these scenes play out the way you want them to or expect mm-hmm. them to. Um, yeah, it's just really quite stunning. Yeah, there's a, there's a nice moment as well where it's like it's not the I think George says oh the Necronomicon I say oh no it's not the Necronomicon it's the it's the Book of Life or the Book of Im- or, or, or the Book of Names is what they have is the, the Necronomicon is the Book of Death right mm. and the, yeah. the the Book of Names is the Book of Life it's just nice little I know the Necronomicon ties into Evil Dead and, <laughs> and uh, Lovecraft but I'm not sure about the Book of Names so much the other thing we didn't talk about which is that really creepy scene where she gives birth to a thing she she helps the birth of a thing yeah the monsters come from cows yeah the yes. monsters come out of cows oh shit that's right fuck i forgot about that that was yeah you know what though you know what though if the only thing i could think of at the end of i mean she's literally birthing this thing from a cow right the only thing i yeah. could think of was man it's gonna do that's gonna be terrible on her silk blouse <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know why. Maybe I just done laundry, but I'm just like, man, that can't be good for her silk blouse. I'm sure there's generations of racist wizards. I'm sure they figured out how to get Shoggoth uh, afterbirth out of uh, clothing. <laughs> clothing, probably, yeah. yeah. You um, just use a spell. You magic it away. Magic it away. You just magic the shit away. Get a new one. Uh, the title of the episode, uh, Whitey's on the Moon, uh, based on the Gil Scott Heron song, uh, is actually also in the film and that kind of runs over the end sequence yeah um when atticus is doing his regeneration doctor who thing uh which is also just another example of kind of using fantastic lyrics and prose to tell the story yeah. without telling there's the story. a there's a yeah. there's that bit from episode one that we kind of glossed over a little bit when uh when you mentioned uma in epi- in the previous episode about how that speech the baldwin speech that was yeah. It's it's played over the most beautiful, heart wrenching sort of montage sequence ever, I think, of them because as the three, as our three heroes sort of get into the car and drive off, we see this sort of snapshot of 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 America at the time, and it's over yeah. this this speech. And I think what was it? Um, I find myself not for the first time in the position of a kind of Jeremiah, right? Mm. That's how the speech starts, which kind of sets you mirrors yeah. what yeah, wh- yeah what is happening with the characters yeah. in this. that's where yeah. that's where they're like standing by the ice cream window and yes. the colored window and yeah. like the white people are just chatting at the other end and ignoring them yeah yes i yes. just think that that the way they do that and even with in episode two where they did with whitey on the moon there isn't a because it's a speech and because it's a it's it's, it's a prose it's a poem it's there's no sort of opening track into it there's no like instrumental mm-hmm. So you're you're almost caught off guard because you're you're almost saying, "Hey, who's saying this? Is this George? Is this Atticus?" And then as the sort of speech moves on, and you realize, "Oh no, 
this is a soundtrack to the imagery that you're watching. And I think, again, that sort of goes back to really confident, comfortable filmmaking. Solid episode. Episode yeah. two. Yeah. I can't wait to see what series it is next week, considering it just changes every week. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's, uh, what genre will yeah. they dip into next? Yeah. I'm not... I'm both... Like, I keep going back. I I want more of episode two as much as I want more of episode one. And I'm sure when I see episode three, I want more of episode three. It's just this constantly yeah. anthological sort of storytelling that really bugs me because they're all so good. Just give me an entire season of one thing. What did Misha Green do before Underground? I haven't seen Underground, so have they done much before? I haven't seen Underground. Um, yeah. Actually, I don't know what she did uh, before Underground, but Underground yeah. uh, was about the black experience and it was about slavery. And yeah. but this, but this, this feels like that moonshot show, right? This is like this is the show where every frame is invested with. Yes. This is what I mm. wanted to make. I mean. It was the kind of thing where it's like, this is what I've always wanted, the story I've always wanted to tell. Yeah. Um, and that that shows that care and attention. Actually, in both of these episodes, it should be just pointed out, Jenny Smart is pretty amazing in the whole show. Yeah. Um, I mean, everything it's, it's, she does is absolutely incredible. It's iconic. We found ourselves like so caught up in the story and the characters that we don't even talk about the actors because they just nailed it. Like It's just like, there's nothing to be said. Mm. They've just, that's that's acting. That's, 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 that, that it's is there. acting. That is yeah. it. When you want yeah. to know what acting is, you just point at these people and say, look at how they are inhabiting these worlds and portraying. Like, no one feels out of place. No one feels like they're doing the wrong tone. No one no one feels like, who was that guy who gave the speech at Project Power? <laughs> what was his name? The, the Is it the Italian guy? Oh, uh, Rodrigo Santoro. Yeah. yeah Rodrigo Santoro. Mm. Is like, no one feels like they're in a different show. Everyone is in the right show, whatever the show is at that moment, whether it's Lovecraftian horror or social commentary or, dear God, what's wrong with all these white people? Um, oh wait one more thing which is quite interesting the ghost at the end they're running out of the house of the ghost right when he's running out of the house isn't there a vision of his the mother the the, the, gra- the grandmother or whoever who's well, a slave baby I, I don't know if that's a ghost I was just I just thought that was like a metaphor men, just like an imaged metaphor did thing. he see it did he see it I can't remember there was, she turns around and looks back right yeah so Mike before she disappears at the, in the doorway my question was is that Harriet Tubman <laughs> No, I mean that's that's his. That's the no, that's the slave. Okay, yeah, but yeah, but you know, underground railroad, Harriet Tubman. I don't know. We might find out more about how she wrecked shit back in the day and burned because the whole house burnt down back in the day. That's half of the titles, right? Yes, yes. So yeah, and I think that's. I think there. Or I read it as, did she help with the burning of the thing? Was that? Did she kick it off? Um, I just want to sort of bring up. I sort of just quickly did a wiki search on Misha Green. She was a staff writer for Heroes and Sons of Anarchy. Oh, oh hello. Yeah. So, so yeah, so she was a staff writer on those shows. So, yeah, I guess, you know, both pretty decent, good written shows. So episode three will drop next week uh, on Monday. You can catch Lovecraft Country on HBO Go on the app. Uh, it actually premieres on the app first thing in the morning, uh, same time as the United States. Uh, you can then watch it on Astro if you want at about 10 p.m. Uh, Malaysian time. Don't forget to check out our other podcast, the Goggler podcast as well. You can subscribe to that too. Um, yes, and if you have any thoughts about Lovecraft Country, uh, feel free to email us on podcast at goggler.my or get in touch on any of our social media feeds, gogglermy. Let us know if your uh, team it was the ring or team it was Atticus all along. <laughs> You're listening to episode two of Lovecast Pantry right here. <laughs> right here on Goggler Media.
I'd forgotten about that dumb name. <laughs> <You said Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, that's... You just lost it. Well, that was, that was, that was pretty dumb. <laughs>